must have seen some videos on Pinterest or Facebook with the pouring, people pouring paint. And I'm like, I want to learn how to do that because it was just cool, honestly. But once you get into paint pouring, it's actually a lot more technical. Hey, Anlers, and welcome to episode 166 of the Camino Voice. Today, I speak with the featured artist of the month for February. Please welcome Beth Erickson. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview local business owners, comedians, singers, and more. I dive into their backstory to find out how they got where they are, what are some of the tips for you to do the same, and find out where they're going. Tune in every week as I interview more of the people you see every day. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. Happy Valentine's Day! This is our Valentine's Day release. <laughs> Although, now thinking about it, this is not at all a Valentine's-themed episode. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's how we roll here at the Camino Voice. We don't plan ahead, we just kind of release as needed uh, on our weekly basis, and uh, that's what you get. <laughs> Sorry. Hopefully someday I'll be a better planner at all this stuff. But um, anyways, I uh, hope you guys are having a great day and a week. Um, hope you guys have some great plans for Valentine's Day. And um, yeah, thanks for letting me be a part of it. Um, you know, in the way that you're listening to the podcast, not in the way of being involved in your val- Valentine's Day plans. That's between you and your uh, significant other. So I'll let that be where it is. Okay, I'm going to stop talking on that now. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for jumping into another episode. Um, today, I am interviewing uh, Beth Erickson, um, who is the Featured Artist of the Month in the Loft for the month of February of 2023. Uh, so do keep that in mind if you're hearing about this stuff. Um, she may no longer be the Featured Artist by the time you listen to this episode, um, but we do carry her stuff within the Loft, so you can always come out and check those out. So... Um, and I know we jump into this in the beginning of the episode. We'd knock it out right away just because people are going to ask, well, is she related to you? Because uh, you're Brandon Erickson. That's Beth Erickson. Uh, funny story. No, no, she's not. Um, but uh, we get into a little bit of that uh, as we start the episode. So I'll leave that for the episode. Um, but uh, she does a lot of mixed media. So um, that being she tries a lot of different uh, mediums and stuff for her art forms. Um, I think kind of one of the most unique things that she does is she does the acrylic pours, um, which you may have seen some of those items here in the loft. Um, we've been carrying her for a little while now. Um, and they just look amazing. Um, if you've never seen an acrylic pour, um, they, they just get this really cool look to them. Um, of course they're, they're finished off with a glossy finish, so they look amazing when they're done. Um, but a lot of times it always reminds me of like the beach or, um, kind of the shore, uh, just kind of like the waves coming in and out. And a lot of the styles, a lot of the ones she's done um, do kind of, you know, have integrate blues and stuff like that. But they also can be other colors. And um, I know she does some mason jar lids and stuff like that. So anyways, um, she, like I said, she does a lot of different mediums. She also does like watercolor, acrylic. Um, so kind of some more uh, traditional or more common ones that you would expect. Um, And so anyways, uh, so we get into kind of all the different things and more. Uh, We get into her background of how she got into art. And uh, of course, we talk about the things that she's bringing to the loft um, for this month. So uh, without further ado, here's my conversation with Beth Erickson. 
Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Command of Voice. Today, I'm here with the featured artist of the month for February. Welcome to the podcast, Beth Erickson. Thank you, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And just to get it out of the way, we're not related, Erickson, although you've worked with my cousin, Dan Erickson. Yes, I have. <laughs> There's surprisingly a decent amount of Ericksons in this area, and I feel like very few of them spell their last name the same. Uh, probably not, but I think mine is the best. <laughs> Mine has one less letter, so that makes that easy. That's true. But to be fair, almost every time if I look at someone, when I say my name, when I look down at their piece of paper, they always spell my last name this way. So Yes, yeah. K's are very popular in Erickson. Yes. Awesome. Well, before we get started, tell us a little bit about Beth. Well, I grew up in the Bothell Mill Creek area. Um, lived there for most of my life until high school when my parents decided they wanted to move out of the city, and they moved us to the Camino Island area. Um, and then I went to California for about seven years. I went to college down there and then lived down there for a while. Okay. Um, and studied graphic design at Biola University. Yeah. So the, that's the Bible Institute of LA, but they did a liberal arts program. So, um, and was just there for a while and then decided to move back home. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So, uh, Sounds like you moved up here, did you say after high school? After or? high school, the after year I graduated school. from okay. high school. Yeah. Oh, good. So you got to finish out high school. Yep. And yep. Awesome. How was it growing up in Bothell Mill Creek? Um, it was good. Um, we were involved in our church and we just, you know, um, lots of little communities to go visit. Um, the Bothell downtown area is really cool for like arts and stuff like that. So I think I took an art class down there once when I was a kid. Okay. Because I was always looking for art classes and my mom... She wanted to give us piano lessons, but I wanted art classes, and she couldn't find them. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. And then being in that area, obviously that area has evolved so much over this time period. What was it like back then? Oh, lots of less people. <laughs> There's too many people there now. It was, it was not as busy. It was, yeah. it was easier to get around. Now it's just super traffic jam and <laughs> can't get anywhere. Yeah. So. When you go back and visit down there, do you ever... Uh, are you able to find your way around and everything, or is it just so different? I am because I actually lived down there um, before I got married for a few years in the Mill Creek area. So, okay. yeah, I've been back and forth. <laughs> got it. Very cool. So you mentioned that you had done, uh, you were looking for art classes down there and didn't, weren't able to get into many. Um, but was that something, even as a really, really young, at a young age, it was something that just always interested you? Yes. I always wanted to be at the craft stores. I wanted to do crafts. I wanted to paint. Um, but, you know, money with my parents raising three kids limited what I could purchase and all of the things that I could do. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where, um, his, like family wise, are your family artists? Does that seem like it comes from anywhere? Friends? You know, I know that my mom painted a little bit, um, maybe one of my grandparents, but no, nobody else is an artist in my okay. family. My sister's musical. So, I mean, that's a different form of arts, but I am the only fine artist in the family. Okay. Very cool. Um, so when you finally did get to take your first art class, what was that like for you then? It was really exciting because um, I got to learn techniques that I couldn't teach myself, like mm -hmm. perspective drawing or um, how to shade. I think I remember drawing a cat and I thought I was going to give the drawing to my grandma. I don't think I ever did, but I learned how to shade the cat so that it looked realistic. Even though I don't do realistic art now, it's a good skill to be able to kind of go that way if you need to. So Yeah. Very cool. So then as you were going through uh, junior high and high school, um, were you constantly taking art classes throughout there? 
Um, I was homeschooled okay. for most of my <laughs> career, and then I went to a private school, and then I went to public school. In high school, there was an art teacher who really thought I had a lot of skills in art, and that was encouraging. And I was going to be in a special art class, and then we moved back to homeschooling that next year. Oh, no. So I didn't get to do that. <laughs> but um, but the encouragement from that art teacher was very inspiring because I'd never heard anyone say, oh, you're actually really good at what you're doing. Um, and yeah. that led me to take some classes in community college before I went to California. Okay. So awesome. I took like pottery and painting and anything I could do, get my hands on. Yeah. So when you were kind of going through these different art classes and stuff, were there ones that really stood out that is things that you really, really enjoyed and wanted to pursue more? Uh, I think oil painting. I took a class for oil painting in California um, and my, t- my teacher said, you have brush strokes, like they're natural, like, like you not have, like, where did these come from? And I'm like, I, I don't know, I've painted a little bit on my own, but they, she was just really impressed with the way that I put the paint on the canvas. So that was encouraging. And so I think oil painting, that's where I started, okay. um, was oil painting, but it takes a long time for oil paints to dry and they're expensive. So, you know, um, and then of course, working became important, so art kind of went into the background for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then um, you did oil painting. What are some of the other mediums that you kind of played around with during that time? Uh, you know, at that point in time, I was just doing oil paint. I really liked it. I liked the way it stayed wet on the canvas. A couple of days later, you could come back and like blend in some other colors. I felt like acrylic paints dried too fast, which is interesting now that I'm doing acrylic paint. So <laughs> it's like full circle. Like my parents had me start with acrylic paint because it wouldn't stain the carpet. But then I went to oil and now I'm back at acrylic. So Okay. <laughs> awesome. Um, so you mentioned that you went to... Uh, you started going to college, uh, at community college, um, and what, what kind of classes and stuff did you take during that time? Um, at community college, I was doing what's called, I think it was print technology or print something. It was like printing presses. Mm-hmm. So I was learning how to run a printing press, how to design <laughs> the items that, <laughs> because I wanted... Um, my parents wanted me to have a job that would pay the bills, of course. Yes. So graphic design was where I was headed, but in community college, all they had was this print technology thing. So I'm like, well, I might as well start there. And actually gave me a good foundation for knowing how printing presses work when you have to design something on the computer, like what what colors they're combining together to produce the item. So it was actually a good education, but I don't run a printing press. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just funny, like that. such an old... It is, it was very old school, terrible. but that was... That when I was in college, that's what they were doing. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. So then when you were looking at uh, colleges, um, why did you pick, uh, what was it again? Biola. Biola. Was, um, because my faith is very important to me, and I wanted to be at a Christian college. So mm-hmm. I chose that college because it was one of the few Christian colleges that had um, art classes that you could take, okay. along with the Bible classes. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So then when you were looking at graphic design, um, had you had any experience with that? I had. I had purchased my own computer when I was um, in college, I think, because I loved technology, which is an odd for an artist to say I love technology, graphic design, but I also like painting. Yeah. But I do. Um, And so I had taught myself a few programs, but didn't know how to get any further without training. So um, it kind of was just an odd fit, like a 
mesh of things that I like to do. Yeah. <laughs> so. Just out of curiosity, what uh, what operating system did you have when you bought your first computer? Well, it was a PC. I know I should be using a Mac, but my, my parents wanted me to buy something affordable. So um, I don't even remember the operating system, but it was old. It was like um, I don't know, really thick memory disks that were really thick that you could put a lot of storage on. I don't remember what they were called. The, the floppy disks? No, or the, the zip one, ones. The zip ones. Yeah, we, we were zip using drive, the zip yeah. drives. Yes. <laughs> I remember uh, when I would play around, when I would use my computer, my parents' computer, um, the most fun part was really just taking a floppy disk and shoving it in and then pushing the eject button. That was the most satisfying, like, <laughs> the noise, fidgeting the, thing. The, uh, All of it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> even to this day, like, if I see that, I'm like, I really want to just take one and put it in there. <laughs> Um, very cool. Yeah. And then just, I, I like technology and I like kind of learning about what's happening and yes. what's coming up. Um, and that's the reason I asked that question because I was like, I got started, um, on like windows 95. Mm. Um, and so I was messing around with that and then 98 came out and used that for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just, a, well a now little... I'm fully Mac Apple okay. based. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I I am as well. But it, you know, it, I would say it did take me until Apple jumped into the Intel world oh, yeah. for me to switch yeah. over. I remember at college though, I had a PC in my dorm room and Macs in the computer lab. And at that time, their files didn't go back and forth uh -huh. very well. So I had to spend all my time down in the computer lab trying to get my work done because my computer in my dorm room was not working correctly. Oh, <laughs> yes. All right. So then, uh, as you got started in graphic design, what were pieces that from your uh, working with physical painting and stuff like that, how did that kind of transfer as you moved into graphic design? Um, I think it transfers in the fact that when I design something, I like to try and find photos of like artwork textured things to use in the backgrounds of what I design. And a lot of like watercolor, like clip art and stuff throughout my designs so mm -hmm. that it brings that feeling of fine art yeah. to the designs, but it's still done on the computer. Yeah, awesome. So then as you were going down that uh, career path, was that something, um, was that unique when you were doing that type of stuff? Did most people kind of try and do like the more modern twist on things? I think that my design style compared to those of my classmates was a lot not as modern. I was more of a traditional, like, so I wasn't considered cutting edge like the rest of the, like, so in art school, like graphic design school, I hated critiques because my designs never met the expectations of the class. Like, they weren't cutting edge enough. They weren't, I don't know, modern enough or something. So I hated that part of design school. But um, but now, as an artist and an adult, I have taken my own, like, owned my design, like, the way I design or mm -hmm. the way I paint, and it's become my own thing. And I don't, I don't let people, like, unless somebody wants a change to something that I'm designing for them, which is fine. But <laughs> people's critique doesn't affect me as much as it did as when I was in college. And right. I think that's hard when you're just fresh out of high school or young adult and you're in college and you're getting critiqued and you're not confident in your skills. It's hard to continue down that path. So. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. Especially, you know, the younger you are, the more... Um, affected you are by yes. critiques and things yeah. like that. Yes. Um, and you're saying you were talking about modern design, but what I always think of is like in, I mean, I know this was probably a little later, but like in the 90s or like early 2000s, when you did like a PowerPoint, like they had very, 
if you see a PowerPoint from the 90s, you can immediately look at it and be like, yep, that's from the 90s. I think that has to do with font choices. Like, there weren't as many font choices. Yeah. I was just um, talking to somebody, and he was talking about the Avatar logo. Yeah. And he sh- played me this thing that said, why is it in Papyrus? Because Papyrus is the font that no one uses anymore. Like, er- designers don't like it. And the Avatar logo is actually typed in Papyrus. And it's hideous, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least it didn't drop down to Comic Sans. True, but, you know. <laughs> true. You are true. That's true. Uh, but yeah, like, and even the way they did there, I mean, you get a little bit of that now if you look at like templates and stuff. But like mm-hmm. in the 90s, like their templates were very like these like flashing lines going this way, yes, like cutting yeah. across the Yes, slide. now it's a little more subtle. Yes. Yeah. I, just, I think that also programs have like, originally probably didn't have a way to do a gradient or blend things, mm-hmm. which made it so you had to do, like, very harsh lines. Yeah. But now there's the programs are so much advanced that yeah. you can do practically anything. <laughs> right. And it's gotten a lot easier. So yes. for dumb people like me to jump in and actually make something. <laughs> don't tell. Do you use Canva? Uh, I don't. I use uh, Affinity Designer. Oh, yes. Dan Erickson liked that, too. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I uh, I did use Canva for a little bit. Um, and for those listeners, um, it, can you explain a little bit on Canva? Oh, Canva is, they claim to be the program that anyone can be a designer. It's an uh, lives online based on a website, and it allows you to put together a design like a professional designer would. But you still have to have some skills yes. to get something that looks good. Right. <laughs> so. Yes. And yeah, and that's something um, I, I did Affinity Designers specifically because of the price point. Yeah. Um, I don't do a lot of design work and usually it doesn't, I'm going to say this and you're going to flame me for it, but it's like, it doesn't usually matter on my design Always side. matters. <laughs> Always matters. <laughs> but people just, they're like, ah, Brandon probably did that one. <laughs> but usually I'm doing like informational things of like, order this thing or do this right, thing yes. or, you know, usually yeah. less exciting things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember when I started doing a little bit of, uh, things or if I had to do a poster or something, um, my, my brother-in-law would help me a lot on things and, and he was more, not so much on the graphic side, but he understands fonting and layout Oh and yes. how important yeah. that is. And like, I always defaulted, growing up, this is how I was, I always defaulted to center aligned on everything. Oh, no, 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 no. And he's like, no, you want lines, like invisible lines around down your text from top to bottom. That's how it should line up. Yeah. I'm yep. like, but then it's not centered in the middle of the poster. He's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and it also depends on if you're using a background image, how best to align the, that text on top of that image or around that image. So. Yes. Yeah, he did a lot of those things. And then when we got into like, when I was starting to get into a little bit of marketing and stuff, I would I would be like, well, I want to use like, I just want a picture of a croissant. And then I want to say like, you know, good morning with your whatever. It's like, well, then you got to figure out what your angle you want to shoot. You want to know where your text is going to be before you take the picture. I'm like, can't I just take like 100 good pictures? He's like, no. Well, you could if you want to spend that much time on it. Right. Well, not to mention my pictures when I say good pictures. That's, oh. that's very relative. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, so Canva is, I think, a great tool because it does have some little pieces along the way, um, <clears throat> but definitely has limitations. Yes. Yeah. So, and yeah, again, Affinity Designer, uh, for those who don't know, it is the Mac-based um, uh, somewhat designer. It lets you do layouts. There's a photo version. Um, and it's free, isn't it? 
It's no, but no, it's a flat not, price. Flat it's, price. It's, yeah. I think it's $50 for the whole thing, but you get everything. Everything, yeah. Um, and you don't have to pay monthly. And since I don't use it enough, I can never justify yes. spending a monthly amount on Adobe products. True. So, but uh, yeah, my brother-in-law is Adobe all the way. And every time I send him a file, he's like, <sighs> <laughs> So, um, very cool. So then getting uh, into graphic, you know, you get into graphic design. Once you graduated, what was, what did you do after that? Well, so I didn't actually graduate. Mm. I ran out of money. So I took all of my art classes and my graphic design classes before I left college. So I didn't have a degree. So that made it hard to get started. So I started at a little tiny company that did grocery advertisements for newspapers and I all I got to do was place in the art like the fruit or the canned good that went with what was supposed to be on there and do the typesetting. I didn't get to really design anything. Occasionally if we had free time they wanted us to design like ideas for new ads, but I don't think they ever got used. So <laughs> um so that was my first job and it didn't pay very well and I was down in California and it, it costs a lot to live down there. Yeah. So then I moved to Kinko's. I don't know. Um and really yeah, okay. I did I you know, made photocopies, cut things in half, helped people with the photocopy machines, all of this. Um, Bringing back your printing press. That's experience. right, I was. <laughs> <laughs> and then I decided to move back to Washington, and Kinko's would let me transfer. So I transferred to a Kinko's up here, and it was in Shoreline, and I was living on the island. So wow. imagine that commute. It was yes. not fun. Um, so then I actually got a job at Skagit Valley Herald okay. doing um, ad design for them. Um, but my dream was when I started graphic design was always to be in magazine production. Okay. So I worked at the Herald for, I don't know, four or five years. Then I worked at the Stanwood Camino News for seven years. Okay. Doing their phone book and laying out the newspaper and designing ads and doing print shop work. Like we used to do business cards and flyers for mm-hmm. people. And then finally I got a job in magazine down in Seattle. Okay. For um, a company called Media Index Publishing. Okay. And they did um, Northwest Sportsman Magazine, um, Western Shooting, so hunting, fishing, and guns. Okay, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And I know nothing about those things, but I was laying out their magazines. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, and building ads for them. So that was exciting. Um, And then I got married, and I needed to move and not commute to Tequila, so... I quit my job and started just doing Etsy, like invitation designs and um, things like that. Okay. Um, and then if you want my whole work history, now I work at Camino Chapel as their website person, graphic design communications. Okay. And do art and graphic design on the side. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. So when you started, because um, I feel like <clears throat> a lot of times people have this. Uh, idea or plan of what they would like to do in their future. Um, when you finally got to actually work and design on magazines, what was that like for you? And I think a lot of people don't know the background of like what goes into that. So can you tell us a little bit about that as well? So it's not as glamorous as I thought it would be. It's <laughs> the first thing. Um, I mean, you have like multiple editors and writers that you're working with. Mm-hmm. You have all these ads that need to be built. You have to figure out Um, how many pages of the magazine can be to hold the ads and the articles. Um, I mean, there's a lot of just little technical things you have to do. And I kind of got, I was the assistant production manager for a while before I left. So I had to learn how to do the math to figure out like how many pages to hold the ads. And I'm like, math is not my strong suit. (laughs) This is not 
going to work. So, but the best part about it was laying out the stories. Like you got to, you know, be creative with where the photos went and put headlines in creatively. Um, but it was the little things like, oh, well, you have to flow this story around a bunch of ads. You can't just design it however you want. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a lot more limitations to it than I think I imagined in my head. <laughs> so, like, if you see, like, a lifestyle magazine, I think they have a lot more room on their pages because their ads probably cost more, where they don't have ads interrupting the flow of the design yeah. or, like, the aesthetic of the design. But this one was very ad-heavy. Yeah. And so it made it hard to design around those yeah. things. But there's a lot of... T and then, like, sending it off to the printer is, like, a day, a day of work. Like, making all the PDFs, making sure they're all, like, you know, processed right. So it's a lot more technical than fun design. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the color schemes and all those yes. different pieces along the way. Yeah. And, like... I know for me, uh, now granted, I do very, like I said, very simple when it comes to graphic design, but the amount of times where I, I finish something, I get it all done, I'm like, okay. And I don't even have to put it into the, I forget what the, the I know there's technical terms for all this. A PDF? Well, not just PDF, oh. but when you put like put it into like the high res version oh, of that. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, and it takes a long time and you have, your yes. computer's like crunching forever. Yeah. Um, but like, I'll print something, get it to print and get it done. And then I'm like, Ah, uh, I've got one either a word misspelled yep. or yeah. one thing off. And then you have to go in and fix it and print it all again. Yes. <laughs> so. But imagine in a magazine, if there's a huge error, we then, we just have to live with it. Because once we've sent it off to the printer and they've printed it, now you've got a magazine flying around with an error in it. So oh, that was like a lot of pressure, like to make sure that everything was done like correctly. Actually right. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So then, um... So then over this time, you've, you've been working in graphic design and all of that during that time period. Were you also doing, continuing to do your arts and stuff on the side? I actually didn't have a lot of time for art until I got married. Okay. So um, once I was married and not working, I had a lot more time. I had a room in our house where I kind of made it into my studio, um, started painting more. Um, and then I think actually COVID helped a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hate to say that, but it's true because I was at working from home. And so... It's hard to find enough to do when you're working from home. So mm -hmm. I would sit at my desk, you know, with my teams up so I could see if anybody needed me. And I was watercoloring at my desk while I was working. <laughs> so yeah. um, I think that's really got me back into it. And then my parents on their property built me a studio shed so that I could start actually, you know, really doing art. Um, and acrylic pouring is very messy. So you need to have space to actually leave it to dry and, and be able to get paint everywhere. Yeah. So, um, so I think it's just like in this past year that I've really gotten back into it. Okay. Awesome. So um, we've got to learn a lot of your, your kind of past history of different types of art forms. What are the things you kind of dove in when you finally got to jump back into it all? Uh, so I started with watercolors and then I don't, I must've seen some videos on Pinterest or Facebook with the pouring people pouring paint. And I'm like, I want to learn how to do that. Cause it was just cool, honestly. But once you get into paint pouring, it's actually a lot more technical than just throwing paint down on a canvas and spinning it or tilting it or blowing on it to move it around. Like you have to know how to mix everything. Like, there's a pouring medium that you put your paint into. You have to know how to mix that. There's a cell activator that helps make all the little cells in the paintings. You have to know how to mix that. And then you have to get all the consistencies just right mm -hmm. for the painting to turn out. I think I wasted, I don't, like, canvases, like, every other day. Like, 
like, and the, but you scrape them off. So you pour on them, you don't like it, you scrape it off. But there's only so many times you can scrape a canvas off right. and still have it be useful. Yep. So it took a long time and lots of experimenting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. So then um, what is that process? for? Because I, I feel like that is an art form that probably very few people kind of understand. I think like watercolor or oil makes sense. They understand kind of the gist of it. Um, walk us through a little bit of acrylic pouring. So basically acrylic pouring starts with what's called a pillow paint. And the pillow paint is anything from, well, it's not anything. It's, I use a house paint. It's a certain type of house paint. So <laughs> that goes down on your canvas first as like the cushion that your paint's gonna flow across. Um, and then you layer your paints, like your color combinations, which you have to really think about color combinations because using the wrong ones could muddy the painting and like you won't be able to see any of the other colors. Yeah. So you layer your colors in puddles up, whatever combinations you're using, up. And then on the very top, you put what's called a cell activator. And that is made out of a product that's from, well, I use a product from Australia okay. called Australian Floetrol mixed with gloss varnish, I think is that's right. It's been a while since I did a pour painting because I've been working on other things. <laughs> um, and so then you put that on the very top and then you have to use air and blow down on it. So I usually used a, um, an airbrush gun, but no, with no paint in it, just the air, yeah. to blow it and spread it out and break up the cell activator on top of the paint. And then you would either tilt or spin the painting um, to spread it out and thin out the paint. And that's when the cells start to pop up is when you move the paint around on the canvas. Okay. It's kind of like the, it's a reaction between the cell activator and the acrylic paint. Um, and then you just continue spreading it out till you like the composition, but you also have to have the paint thin enough so that when it dries, it doesn't crack. Okay. So you have to, like, you have to know I have to keep going, but, and I'm going to lose sections of the painting that I love <laughs> because I have to thin out this paint and get it off the canvas. Yeah. Very cool. And then you let it dry for a couple of days and then coat it with, I like to use varnish because resin is very temperamental, but some, a lot of people use resin. Okay. Because you use a lot of acryl, uh, metallic paints in paint pouring and the resin makes them like sparkle even more than okay. varnish does. Got it. Very so it's cool. a long process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what does that normally, is that like a day that you're doing this whole thing? It takes about an hour to mix up the paint. And then the painting process is usually, depending on how many you're going to do, another hour. And then you let them dry for like three days. Okay. And then coat them with something. Okay. So it's like a three or four day process. Yeah. Nice. You have to have like a nice, oh, and it has, you have to, drying surface has to be perfectly level. Like where you're drying the paintings. Else the cells will... Um, dissipate like if it's not level for some reason they like get wobbly and like oh. don't stay okay and when you say cells what can you explain um, that a little further they're like a cell is oh that's hard so it's like where color has formed like um a it looks like a puddle kind of but like the colors like maybe are like blend into one another okay and then there's like a white or black or whatever your cell activator color is lying around it that separates it from the rest of the painting okay which I have three pieces coming um, next week that are poor paintings. So okay. they have cells on them. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. So be sure to come and check those, those out um, uh, if you want to get a better representation. Um, so in that then, you also, 
Um, do you also do this on, because uh, you've talked about doing on Canvas. Can this be done on other mediums? I do like it on all kinds of things, actually. Mason jar lids is one of the ones that I like to do the most. And like, so it's like a bamboo mason jar lid I buy off of Amazon. And then I paint tape it all off so that only the top gets paint on it and then put resin over it so that people can use that on their mason jars. Um, what else? I've done it on journal covers, uh, bookmarks. I mean, anything really that any solid surface. Okay. Now, if you do that on like a, <clears throat> uh, like something that's already flat and stuff, doesn't that create like a, uh, where it becomes uneven on that surface? Or do you does the kind of the final the, resin thing kind of... The resin, the final resin makes it level, but also the paint, if you thin it out enough, it dries level. Okay. So if you have too thick of paint, that's when you get divots. But if your paint is thin enough, it'll dry pretty level. Okay. Awesome. So, um, so this is... Like, this is acrylic pouring. What are some of the other uh, mediums that you've used and worked with? Recently, I've started using acrylic ink watercolors and um, watercolor ink, which is a liquid watercolor. Okay. Um, and kind of mixing acrylic ink and watercolor together. Okay. Um, and then I'm also going to have a painting um, this next month that has um, uh, paste. It's like molding paste on it, like that you can put shapes into and then you paint over the top of it with acrylic paint. Okay. So it's got more texture to it yeah. on the canvas. Um, so, and um, what else? Oh, stained glass has become a hobby. I'm not selling that, but every artist should have a hobby they do on the side besides the stuff they're trying to sell. <laughs> so I've been working with some stained glass. Okay. Very cool. So the combining of the watercolor ink and the acrylic stuff, what advantages does that give you when you're using it? Um, so I, the way I've been doing it is watercolor as the underpainting, like with all of the tones that watercolor can have, like from light to dark. So an underpainting, and then I use the acrylic ink to like highlight areas of that because um, it's more solid, like it doesn't show through as much. So it's like to outline a leaf or to add detail to a leaf or something like that. So on top of the watercolor. Okay. Very cool. All right. And then uh, what other forms of things are you making and crafting and creating? Oh, I also do crochet. Okay. <laughs> I've been selling those as crochet hats, down, beanies down here. Okay. Um, and let's see, what else do I do? Crochet. I think that's about it. I think I've covered everything. Okay. <laughs> Very cool. Um, awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about the pieces that you're going to be bringing to Loft. I know you mentioned a few of them already. Right. So there's a uh, kind of like a set of three but I'm going to sell them separately of poor painting pieces that are like, to me, they look like a s abstract sunset or um, sunrise. So water and orange and red. Um, and that's a set of three. And then I have some watercolors, one of a crab and then some abstract type watercolors. Um, and what else? Oh, and I did some watercolors for mason jar lids. So I painted watercolor on a on a piece of watercolor paper, cut it out and glued it to a mason jar lid and then put resin over the top of it. Okay. So it's something new that I'm trying. So we'll see how, how they do, but um, they look really cool. So yeah. Yeah. Just a mix of things. Awesome. Very cool. And then um, I know that on top of, uh, so you mentioned that you work at the chapel and, yes. and do some of their stuff, um, but then you're also doing some other stuff. So can you tell us just a little bit about um, the stuff that you do on the side as well? Some of your services and things like that. Um, I mostly do graphic design on the side. Um, I have a couple contract jobs, one for some school districts in the Midwest where I design flyers for them and they insist on using Canva. 
<laughs> so I do that in Canva. But um, I do anything, wedding invitations, business card designs, flyers, websites. I've gotten into websites since I worked with Dan. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I've done a few websites and... Um, Recently, a lot of people at the church have needed memorial slideshows, so I've started doing those. Okay. And so just really whatever creative outlet. I, I feel like my graphic design is a form of my creative business, per se, because it's very creative. Yeah. But um, it's more sitting at a computer, though, than hands-on art. But yeah. I enjoy all aspects of art. So. Yeah. Very cool. Um, okay. So this is something, because whenever I find out people are artists and also enjoy technology, I have to jump into this because <laughs> it is a hot topic right now. Okay. Um, but how have, or have you done any research or looking into AI-assisted art or AI tools or things like that? Has any of that... Oh, my gosh. I just saw somebody post a podcast about something about AR ruining art, and I didn't listen to it yet. <laughs> Darn it. Part two um, coming later. Well, I don't use AI. I, I don't know that well, but I do use some of my computer and like a cricket, a cutting, a vinyl cutting machine to cut things out for me. So I mean, I see the benefits of combining the two, but I don't know that I'll ever <laughs> get there. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, I just think there's the there are certain tools. The AI art is like one big piece that I know there's a lot of conversation around. Yeah. Um, but like things like ChatGPT on like assistance with marketing or like, you know, I know there's a lot of people using it to kind of revamp their website hmm. from an SEO perspective. Oh, no, I haven't even looked into that. So, okay. But I don't like SEO. I don't like trying to figure it out. <laughs> well, now you don't have to. Oh, AI's good. There for I need you. to look into this then. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's too technical for my brain. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. No, that the SEO piece has always been like a magic it is. Thing, it's a like black box. just the right like combination of everything gets you good SEO. Right. It's hard to figure out. Yes. Very cool. All right. Well, I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. So the first one is what purchase of $100 or less have you enjoyed the most in the last three months? My soldering iron I use for stained glass. Oh, very cool. <laughs> it's a battery powered cordless one. I really okay. like it. <laughs> very cool. I, um, Whenever I think of soldering, I think of it for electronics. I know. Side. Most people do. <laughs> and I, there's so many things, like videos, things I've watched. I'm like, okay, I could probably do this. Like, it's unscrewing stuff. It's putting stuff down. And then they're like, and then you just solder the wires. And I'm like, nope, can't do it anymore. <laughs> well, stained glass soldering is very different from wire soldering. Yes. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> yes. Very cool. All right. Uh, who is the most influential person outside of your family in your life? I would have to say that my faith is really influential. So God, mm -hmm. um, I, in my art, always look at the fact that I'm portraying his creation and that he gave me the abilities to be an artist, but also, and this is not a brag on the loft, but Lydia is like the best encourager yes. when it comes to art. And she's taught me a lot lately, just in conversations we've had up here in the loft. So very cool. Yes. I would second that as well. It's awesome. All right. This is a fill in the blank question. I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to blank. Travel to Europe. That's okay. not weird. <laughs> yes. Very cool. Do you guys have any plans to try and make that happen? No, not currently. Okay. <sighs> All right. Who is an interesting or fascinating person that I should interview next? Oh, I was thinking about this one, and I'm. It, there's so many people in our area. Um, 
I was going to say Josie Colby, the worship director at the chapel. Okay. Because she has just lots of life insights and thoughts that are always going through her head. She's always talking about stuff at church, and I'm like, wow, I haven't even ever thought of that. <laughs> so Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. And lastly, what piece of advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Hmm, to be more patient and not push ahead in life decisions um, and to be more confident in my skills as an artist. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And everyone that's listening, be sure if you're listening to this uh, in the month of February uh, or rolling into you know February, uh, be sure to stop by the loft and check out her pieces that she's bringing up here. So thank you again for joining me on the podcast. Thank you. All right. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Beth Erickson for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other Islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, you can go to commandocommons.com slash podcast. That's commandocommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.